From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on August 18th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we return to the Iowa State Fair. How you doing? And we hear what Senator Tim Scott had to say in between flipping pork chops Donkey sauce. and fielding questions about former President Donald Trump's fourth indictment, which we also take a look at in this episode. And we hear from several members of the congressional delegation during the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce's Washington night. The lead loves hearing from everyone. That's why we have a voicemail box set up so you can call to share your thoughts, hot takes, and questions at 803-563-7169. We'll also be interested in hearing your feedback about the podcast itself, what you like and what you don't like. We want to hear more or less of leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's on your mind. And if you don't want to be on the podcast, just let us know. Call or text 803-563-7169. Now, I'm not going to bog you all down on the ins and outs of the Fulton County grand jury indictment of former President Donald Trump. If you've been watching the news this week, you know plenty about it. But briefly, a Georgia grand jury this week did charge Trump and 18 others with trying to overturn the former president's 2020 election loss in the state. The indictment, Trump's fourth overall since leaving office, also mentioned 30 unnamed co-conspirators. Senator Lindsey Graham, who was not named in the indictment, though he was subpoenaed and did testify before a special grand jury investigating this, Graham told reporters at the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce's annual Washington night in Columbia that he only gave his testimony to the special grand jury and wanted to be clear that he did not cooperate. Well, I didn't kill President Kennedy, and I'm not cooperating with this crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I went, had my time. I hadn't heard from him since. I hadn't talked to him since. I was well treated, fairly treated. That's it. Graham said that Trump is again being prosecuted for challenging the election outcome. Meanwhile, he's actually being prosecuted, according to the indictment, for a conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 election. So a slight difference there. But here's Senator Graham again. Here's what I would say. One, I have no idea. One of the theories is that count 22, I think, that they're saying that President Trump, on a social media posting, encouraged people to watch an OAN show about the Georgia election. If that's a crime, then... You know, half the Democratic Party would be in jail because they pushed the Russian hoax thing. Some of this is really hard to get your head around, that they're going to charge people giving a news conference that, that the prosecutor thought was false information. you got to remember, the two sitting senators at the time called for the Secretary of State to resign. So there were real questions about what happened in Georgia. But the idea of criminalizing a politician saying you need to watch this show is uh, or criminalizing somebody for giving a press conference um, is very dangerous, I think, yeah. Graham told South Carolina Public Radio's Mayan Schechter, who got us this audio, that he was not one of the unindicted co-conspirators and that his involvement in the investigation is over. Graham said he didn't see any widespread fraud in the 2020 election that would have done anything to change the outcome. Here's how Graham says he talks to Trump about the 2020 election, something he wishes Trump would stop bringing up 
even though he knows it's not going to happen. Well, you know, uh, Stacey Abrams believed the election was stolen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard for people to understand that President Trump won the counties that most people, if they win, they become president. He got a lot of votes. And, you know, there were some shenanigans in every election. So me and him agree to disagree. We talk about the future of the country, what he wants to do for the country, and I think that's where I help him the most is, okay, how do we, how do we frame the issues going into 2024? You know, you did this on the border, now Biden's done that, and, you know, I told him I think the best thing he can do is remind people how he had the country in a better spot. Graham doesn't think focusing on the 2020 election outcome is going to negatively affect the 2024 election like some candidates, such as Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, believe. Separately, Graham was asked about his reaction to being booed at the July 1st Trump rally in Pickens. You guys remember that audio. Here's what he had to say. A lot of these people follow around the January 6th people. You know, I'm never going to say January 6th was a good day. It was a bad day. Um, I'm never going to say the election was stolen because I don't believe it. People get upset when you don't have that narrative. But most of the people there I know from Pickens, and I think I'm in a pretty good spot with Pickens. So it's kind of odd that if you're helping a guy, (laughs) probably they should appreciate the help. President Trump does. So. While Graham praises his counterpart, Senator Tim Scott, for his time in the Senate since 2013 and Haley's time as governor from 2010 through 2017, he said Trump has proven that he is the best choice for president. But what about vice president? A row both Scott and Haley said they are not running for, but many folks speculate they would be good fits for. Here's Graham's take. I don't think there's a better choice for President Trump uh, if he gets the nomination for VP than Tim Scott. Is there a future for Nikki Haley? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, you're asking me the fit of VP. I mean, Nikki Haley was a great uh, ambassador of the United Nations. Yeah, she's a foreign policy. I think her voice on foreign policy is the strongest of the group. I mean, she really gets why we need to make sure Putin loses in Ukraine. So, no, I think, you know, I think both of them have very bright futures. But the question is about VP. If Trump wins, he's going to have to pick a VP, right? I can't think of a better choice than Tim Scott. Jumping to Washington night itself, Graham participated in a forum with 2nd District Congressman Joe Wilson, 5th District Congressman Ralph Norman, 4th District Congressman William Timmons, 7th District Congressman Russell Fry, and 1st District Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who spoke about artificial intelligence and how to regulate this rapidly growing and influential technology. Here's what she told former House Majority Leader Gary Simrall who was moderating. I actually started my career, my first job after the Citadel was as a computer engineer. I knew six programming languages. I got my start in tech. And when we were talking about technology and and AI is making sure that we don't overregulate. And you've got guys and gals in Congress today in DC who don't know how to log into Facebook. And these are the people that are charged with, you know, providing the guardrails for AI in the future. Yeah, no, let's not do that. And so number one, my goal is to make sure that we don't over-regulate. We, as you know, being majority leader, we have some really crazy regulations, not just at the federal, but the state level too. You got to have a license in South Carolina to hang wallpaper, for example. One of the things I learned as a state lawmaker. But we don't want to over-regulate. We want to make sure that we allow innovation to happen, but at the same time, 
the number one thing we have to do with regards to AI is understanding what current laws do we have on the books at the federal, the state, and then local level that AI would be ap applicable to. People are worried that AI is gonna create bioweapons. Well, guess what? That's already against the law. So it's how do our current laws, how are they applicable to advances in AI? The second thing is we wanna make sure that we use AI in innovation, especially not just as an offensive way with our adversaries or our enemies, but also defensively. I just came back from overseas. I was in five time zones in eight days, visiting intelligence sites, military sites, disclosed and undisclosed, learning about some of the things that we are doing. But AI will really help us harness all the data that we get and how do we filter that data and get to the nuts and bolts of the things of terrorists who want to blow up our country or, or do harm to us and our citizens here and abroad. How do we use AI to our advantage? And there's so many opportunities to do that. We don't want to lose sight of that. There's a lot of opportunity. AI is not taking over the world tomorrow. Chat GPT is actually very dumb. <laughs> if you, Bart is much smarter than that, than Chat GPT. But, um, you know, we should be excited about it. But know that not every job's going to go away either. You're going to need humans to manage AI. And it, we're a long way from them taking over the world. But there's so many uses is from Intel to DOD, you want to find UAPs, <laughs> how do we utilize AI to advance us? And also the efficiencies in business, making sure that that we that people, that everyday people, no matter the color of your skin and the amount of money you make, the zip code you come from, that you have access to things that will enhance your life. And I actually, I encourage all of my staff, use chat GPT, use these AI technologies to write a press release faster, please. Like, I don't want to approve anything with a grammatical error. There's no reason for that. Congressman Timmons spoke about the major spending over the past few years causing inflation and how spending will lead to a major showdown this fall when it comes to a potential shutdown if lawmakers don't reach a funding solution by September 30th, ahead of the start of the new fiscal year on October 1st. You say, what can we do about inflation and interest rates? Uh, we've already done it. Um, the Republicans now control the House. We are done spending. We uh, have spent $7 trillion. I say we, they. Uh, COVID was the excuse for the Democrats in Congress to spend $7 trillion, and that caused inflation. And what's wild to me is that we can't even agree on that. I have a lot of friends across the aisle. We work together on a wide variety of issues, and a, a number of very senior economists that served in uh, the Obama administration um, and a number of members of Congress have acknowledged that uh, runaway spending, that spending $7 trillion in the last four years is what has caused inflation. But the vast majority of uh, my colleagues across the aisle refuse to even agree that that is the root cause of this problem. Um, but uh, the good news is we're done. We're not spending any more money than we have to, and we're going to do everything we can to limit expenditures going forward, and you're going to see that uh, come to fruition here in the next few weeks uh, with uh, the looming uh, shutdown and a, a possible continued resolution. Now, while there's a lot of truth that stimulus bills, which kept the American economy afloat and humming during the pandemic, caused inflation, they were not the only culprits. As the global economy stopped and then started back up, in an unprecedented way following the pandemic, supply chain issues and shortages were rampant. People spent way more on goods and services amid an uneven recovery. Oil and gas prices, which were drastically low during the early pandemic days, creeped up and then skyrocketed following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February 2023. And the Fed, some would say, was slow to act. So a lot of factors there influencing inflation. 
Now, moving on, we didn't want to leave Senator Tim Scott out of our fair and loathing coverage that we had on Tuesday. He was bouncing around the Iowa State Fairgrounds. In fact, he kind of had the place to himself, besides former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson and Texas Pastor Ryan Binkley, neither of whom are registered in Iowa polls. Scott has maintained a distant third place behind former President Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So yes, he had a bit of an advantage compared to the madness of the weekend, but that didn't mean he had the news cycle to himself because uh, just a few hours earlier, Trump was indicted for the fourth time, like we were talking about there. Now you can hear NBC's Ali Vitale ask Scott about Trump's hour-long call in January 2021 to Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger following Trump's loss in Georgia by 11,779 votes. I know we've talked about the two-tiered system of justice, you see it in the past, but if we could look into Georgia specifically, right? We all heard that phone call with the former president, then president at the time, where he said, just find me the requisite number of votes that I would need. Doesn't that feel anti-American? Doesn't that feel like not what a president should do? Well, we should continue to say it as I see it, which is that we see the legal system being weaponized against political opponents. That is un-American and unacceptable. At the end of the day, uh, we need a better system than that. And I frankly hope to be the president of the United States where we have an opportunity to restore confidence and integrity in all of our departments of justice yeah, in the country. Yeah, but that phone call, you heard it, right? Yes, but I, I, we've just drawn different conclusions. The next you one, think it's fine? You would do that as president? Scott worked the fair crowd, popped on a radio show, flipped pork chops, and took in the multiple cattle barns at the fair. He declined to speak at the Des Moines Register's political soapbox, but he did, however, speak with Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds at her fairside chat. They spoke about school choice, which we hear Scott talk about almost every time he goes to Iowa, including his first trip to the state that came just after Iowa passed a school choice law. Now, Scott also spoke directly about American-China relations. So it is not the strength of President Xi is the weakness of President Biden. We need to understand the problem we face as a nation. America is the greatest land on God's green earth. We need to stop the Chinese, though, the Chinese Communist Party, from buying our farmlands, number one, spying on our kids, and stealing our jobs and our supply chain. You need to have a president with a backbone who will stand face-to-face toe-to-toe with President Xi and say, not on my watch, not in my country, I am that president, number one. Yeah, balloons breaching our sovereign territory. They're made, in Ch- they're made in China 2025, is stealing our intellectual property to create the battery future for the world. We are the ones that come up with the ideas and then they literally steal it from our companies. That's one of the reasons why we must have a president who brings home our supply chains, who brings home our jobs and creates it and makes it in America. I have something called Made in America, which is a plan to create 10 million jobs by bringing our supply chains home and focusing in three specific areas. Energy, because I believe energy independence is national security. We have certainly strayed away from that, haven't we? We've given it away. Oh my goodness. And number two, we can create high-tech manufacturing jobs paying six figures to Americans to do the work and build the things that our nation needs. And number three, innovation will help us cure cancer in less than 10 years, in my opinion. We will have the strongest economy the strongest healthcare system if we focus on the private sector and not the government. That was Senator Scott and Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds there at her fairside chat. 
Now, the Washington Post reported that the Scott campaign is dropping $8 million on an ad buy, with $6.6 million going toward TV ads in Iowa and New Hampshire through November. Money will also go toward radio and digital ads as well. This is the campaign's second major investment following a $6 million ad buy in May. The trust in the mission, Tim Super PAC, supporting Scott, announced a $40 million ad buy in July. It will run ads from September through January. And more Tim Scott news, he will be sharing the spotlight at Congressman Jeff Duncan's Faith and Freedom Barbecue, the annual event which is expected to attract some 2,000 conservatives on August 28th in Anderson, typically highlights a prominent Republican as its keynote speaker, such as former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo last year. This year, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will be addressing the crowd, but Duncan also announced that Senator Scott will be there. In his capacity as a senator, not a Republican presidential candidate who is fighting hard to surpass DeSantis. And of course, everyone there will be able to differentiate between that. Of course, I am sure the DeSantis folks are pumped, as are the Haley folks for not being there, right? But Haley will be holding a town hall earlier in the day with Congressman Ralph Norman and State Representative Mike Neese in Indian Land. But again, Duncan's event isn't a cattle call for these candidates. It's kind of a missed opportunity, if you ask me, since we don't have many of those big events with all these different candidates. Nevertheless, we'll be watching closely all the activity on August 28th and maybe even see former President Donald Trump in the state. Good. This will be five days after the debate, so a lot of folks looking for that attention. And an FYI, the Charleston County Democratic Party and WCBD held a Senate District 42 candidate forum on Thursday evening. I'd be sharing with you what some of the candidates had to say, but unfortunately the event was not live streamed as I was told it would be. So if you live in that Charleston district that was formerly represented by Senator Marlon Kimson since 2013, well, you're on your own. Or you can watch a low-quality recording of the event on the Charleston Dems Facebook page. I wasn't going to subject you all to that low-quality audio. It's my choice. Now, the three-way Democratic primary is between state representatives Wendell Gilliard, J.A. Moore, and Dion Tedder, and it takes place September 5th. A primary runoff, if necessary, will be September 19th and the general election for that seat is November 7th. Now, Representative Gilliard did not participate in the forum due to a scheduling conflict with a fundraiser that he had planned with former state rep and CNN commentator Bakari Sellers. The special election is necessary since former Senator Marlon Kimson resigned after being appointed to President Biden's Advisory Committee for Trade Policy and Negotiations. Early voting for the special primary election begins on Monday, August 21st, and it ends September 1st. All eligible registered voters in Charleston County can vote early at the Board of Voter Registration and Elections headquarters located at 4340 Corporate Road, North Charleston. Don't forget to bring a form of identification to the polls. And if you're not sure you're in District 42, check out scvotes.org. Welcome to the wind-down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here, aren't we, A.T.? Oh, I'm so glad that we're taking this little break. <sighs> I'm glad that the break is this size and it is little. I'm glad we're all here together. Yes. Yes. I love that. It's been a long week. Very, very long week. A lot of news. A lot of meetings we're for here. me. A lot of meetings. A lot of meetings on my meetings. end. Work is really picking back up. And <laughs> I'm, re- I'm ready for it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say I'm not I'm like, we're planning, we're looking ahead. Uh-huh. But like, oh, I hate that summer's winding down. Uh, the, the summer's winding down. And, and that's always after my birthday. We are also winding July down. July 8th. Here. 
yeah, we're also winding down. That's how it works. That was always like the, the thing about my birthday early in July. It's like, it's always great, still summertime, but then there's always you know. the talk. Yes, you know. After school starts up, advertising, and you're just like, ugh. Like, so come bad. On, come on, guys. And then my birthday, early yeah. August, they start doing like a little bit of like pumpkin beers. Mm-hmm. And and just, you're just like, it's not fall guys, yet. Let's come not on. do this. Let's not do this. And here we are just talking about 2024. And it's just great. a little heads up for the fall freaks out there. <laughs> it's not going to be like cool and crisp. It's you supposed l- to be forecasted to be pretty warm. You leaf freaks. So summer's going to continue on, folks. Just. And Anyway, deal with it. Anyway, anyway, let's get back into the ethos of this moment uh, in the podcast. Hashtag okay? fall freaks. Hashtag leap yeah, people. Call me. Uh, anyway, we Gavin, we did get a call it's from ah. an old friend. Oh, a little travel horror story, or I would say a travel advice, a little bit mm. of advice to give you. Okay, good. We got some travel stories I want to share in this podcast. Yeah. So after this, you ready? Yes. Here we go. Hi, Gavin and At. This is Victoria from Northeast. Just checking back with you. Our uh, recent flight issues uh, from Miami. Uh, the story reminded me of a situation decades ago when I was flying with a companion. I was in the middle seat. The companion was in the window, and then another lady was on, came to the aisle. Back then, I was really in motion sickness, so I always made sure I had one of those air sick bags. I was looking, and I couldn't find one. Tracked down the flight attendant to to give me one. And the lady was uh, noticing the conversation, and she asked the flight attendant, uh, and then the lady stood up. She said, no offense, but I'm going to move to another seat, which worked out well. Um, I had more elbow room. I didn't get sick, and then she had her own uh, seat. So just a travel tip. I haven't used it in a while. I haven't uh, had the motion sickness uh, issues, but uh, it's always something to maybe try to get some more elbow room. So it's worth a shot. So you take care and, and appreciate what you do. Thanks. Bye. Victoria, great to hear from you again. Uh, middle seat, always a brutal spot, but what mm-hmm. a great tactic right there. A little I, travel hack. Absolute mind game. It's, uh, I choose the middle seat. <laughs> they say, pick your seat. I said, middle, please. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a disgusting mind game Gavin plays with everyone. Yeah. Anyway, Gavin, uh, you have yeah, some we, more. We right? had some travel stories from some folks that submitted them, so I'm going to share one from Mark who says it took him and his wife 48 hours to get uh, home from upstate New York. Uh, he said one flight uh, was delayed nine times. Uh, nine times. These are bad numbers that, that you're giving brutal. me. 48 hours of traveling? I can't imagine a greater hell than that. You yeah, know, like not like spanning continents. Like, But if you told me hell was sitting in an airport mm. with no uh, ETD, you yeah. know what I mean? I would believe you. I would uh, believe you. It, it, I, if it's a good airport, <laughs> which I feel like is 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 as I close some good to an oxymoron, I want some as people possible. watching. A good airport may not exist. Airports are airports. You know what I mean? Well, there's the airports, and then there's the unseen sky lounges. The sky which, I mean, that is just weird. where they just peer down at us, plebes. Oh, you know, I think the buffets out of orders. <laughs> <laughs> the escargot uh, is a bit subpar today. It's a little cold, if you ask me. I've been, the Sky Lounge is just a world of difference. So. But now everyone's in it, too. Those, there's no relief there. Nope. But um, Reba also shared this travel horror story mm-hmm. on a flight from Brussels back to Columbia mm-hmm. by way of D.C. that should have taken 18 hours, took 50 hours. Oh, my God. By way of Munich and Charlotte. Ugh. <clears throat> Saving Grace. She said, here's a little travel tip. 
Apple AirTags. She said, we knew where our missing quote-unquote luggage was every minute of this misadventure, even though it never showed up on the United tracking app, which is super <laughs> helpful. Uh, we ended up landing in Charlotte, originally scheduled for Columbia. Ugh. But United told us they weren't able to identify luggage and check back the next day. So thankfully, the Apple AirTags, yes. uh, Rebo was able to find it at Columbia right when they opened up here. And she said, they let me into the lost luggage closet where our bags were stored. Uh, United was still showing them in D.C. Oh, so, so much fun. get the air tags, folks, if you're traveling, especially international. Uh, I just love the idea of the loss. I would love to go to, like, the LaGuardia lost Ooh, luggage. Yeah, that's you know? mine. That Louis Vuitton bag is mine. Oh, yeah, I recognize it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's in it? Uh, shirts. Um... Actually, this one's not as heavy as it should be. What's in that one? <laughs> I would love to just take a peek in there and yeah, see what you can find. Yeah, they off, you know. They, that would be so good. Um, but I, I, I told Reba, I was like, you know, and it's always a pain to lose your luggage. My mom lost it when we were going to Greece two years ago. But it right. came the next day. Yep. Um, she also packed some in her carry-on. But better to lose it on the back end yes. coming home than when you're yes. international. You don't want to be in a foreign country without your underwear. Right? And like, uh, here's the address for this Airbnb we're staying at. I don't know what it is. Does <laughs> yeah. this look right to you? Like, uh, There's going to be a hostel and no one's going to speak English. But I will please tell bring you, my bag there. there was despair <laughs> when like... My mom, my aunt, my uncle lost all their luggage. I was, like, having the best travel. I was in the bubble. I was like, well, I got luggage. I got stuff you guys can wear so we can jump in the pool. But everything came the next day, and it was it was fine. But, uh, yeah, those, those travel stories, man, keep them coming. Please, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people uh, hate travel, and I understand that. Uh, I think we might all be the baby that barfed think... next to me. <laughs> it just depends. Like, if you're really on a schedule, I have to be somewhere, then, of course, it's even more tense. But if I'm just... A twig in the arm, in the shoulders, and the arms of a mighty stream. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I can't do anything. Go with about the flow. You just go, go with the flow. flow. What What's for you, Gavin? What is the ideal layover length? I, I would say a safe two hours. Two hours. Two to three. Two hours. I don't think. I think three hours is too long. I just. Well, I'm just fearful of the old. Delays. I know the delays. I know. If I, I, I wish I could say 45 minutes. Ooh, you know what I ideally, mean? Ideally, but yeah. that's too tight. It's too tight. I think Very it needs tight. to be 90 minutes to two hours. Yeah, that's good. But even though our flight from Miami screwed yeah. us on that, we were done. Oh, yeah. We were done for that. Like, there was no way we were getting Again, that. that's what happens when you travel in the middle of a Friday out of Miami. But <sighs> it's always bad. Flight, this is a travel is pod now, folks. Sorry. I truly believe, though, and I want to get this out there before we go and have a nice weekend and all that stuff. But I do believe that I don't think we're far away from, like, standing room only cattle call flights. You know what I mean? Where they just... yeah inhumanely pack us in like sardines. Stack them in. Yeah. Safety regulations are the only things that will save us, right? I mean, we already have to basically, your arms touch strangers Mm. on these flights. You know what I mean? We're close to just full body being stuck up against people you don't know. Can we just stack you horizontally somehow? (laughs) It's going to be something like that where it's a pure numbers game. They're already selling too many tickets for every single flight. So how long until we're just like it's a train in New York City, a pack subway car you know i'm telling you safety regulations will prohibit that happening we hope you would hope they're like well it takes 90 they want you to be evacuated plane by like i think 90 seconds they're like what if we just bump it to like mm. you know two minutes Ugh. you know what if we just go get a little extra and room i there? got i gotta get on i gotta rag on i have also. to do this i gotta do it we should be loading planes people wise back to front they say it doesn't make a difference. It, that's not true. They say true. they have done the studies. There's no way. There's nothing that makes a difference. It is a lie. It is people being like, ha, 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 where are you? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
There's no helping it. Absolutely God. not. Uh, if Just, you if you clap when the plane lands, please call and you know, tell us why. Okay, <laughs> I need to know. I need to know because you are more likely to die or get injured in a automobile accident Correct. than a, a flight. Do you clap when you get home? Yeah, every yeah. time. Oh, oh, wow. oh yes. we're not going to oh, go into my automotive issues this week. We'll t- we'll save that for next week. All right, we've got to spare the people all this just turmoil. Anyone, ha- have a good flight, everyone. Have a good flight. Clap, have a good turn flight. your phones off. Clap when you land. We love you. Uh, stand up immediately in the aisles. Oh, also recline your seat. Everyone loves all the way do back. That. Yeah, I just love being six three and uh, having no room when it's upright. Just put it all the way back. And when please. you get up, make sure you grab the seat in front of you and shake oh, that. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, these are all great. These are these are our travel tips. <laughs> anyway, have a good weekend. If you're flying, I'm so sorry. Uh, flying, yeah. There used to be good airlines. Now they're all just bad. Now it's just now we have to go private all the time. Uh, that's why Gavin and I got the lead plane. And thank you so much, you <laughs> guys. Our Patreon, our Patreons. We thank you, our Foot Finders. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. Anyway, have a good thank weekend. You guys. We love you. Thanks for listening to the pod. You can show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail like Victoria at 803-563-7169. You can also text us at that number or email us gjackson at sctv.org, a shire at sctpublicradio.org. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on sctv.org and southcarolinapublicradio.org. How many .orgs am I going to say? And don't forget to support your local newspapers.org. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Work. My dad is super pissed. <laughs> I talked to my dad. Um, you better believe I told my um, dad about this. You be ready to hear from his lawyers. Okay.